0: Namaste, motherfuckers, and welcome to Tantric Conversation, episode number 36, Bobby Gorman. And, uh, you know, hey, a happy new year to you as well. I am your host, Curtis Payne. I realize in 35 of these that I uh, never introduced myself. So some of you already know me, but um, if there happen to be people listening that don't, hey, me llamo Escortiz. Or Cortez. You know Cortez is Spanish for Curtis. I just found that out not that long ago. Well, it's been a little while. Anyway, uh, so yeah, 2014. Here we are. Got some uh, got some Bobby Gorman for you today and uh, got some Jeff Zimmerman, who is an ex-Richmonder, moved up to New York City, comedian, writer, dude's been on This American Life and The Moth Got Eric Roper coming up, also an ex Richmonder who lives in New York City. Artist Eric Moonhawk Roper. Probably seen his album art on High on Fire Records and shit like that. He's down with Matt Pike. So, yeah, um, it's, I took three weeks off, uh, a lot of shit going on. I started a new job. I moved, um, it was Christmas and, um, I had to go to New York for some job training and shit and like, I've just been fucking chasing my own tail for all that time and I just uh, needed to take a break, but I haven't taken a break from recording podcasts, just posting them. So those of you, and I know there are some of you who do dig this, uh, we're back, and uh, I'm glad that you guys have uh, been around and supported what I've been doing for the last uh, six months or so, and I uh, want to up the game this year, um, get some better audio <laughs> production, maybe, and uh, some new equipment. But um, anyway, yeah, I got, I, I'm working, and I'm working on it, and I, I've got a... Uh, i got a new job, a new role. It's got me driving all over town all day long, like spreading the gospel of Restaurant Depot. Pays a lot better than what I was doing, um, but it's still hard work. And um, as I move into doing this, um, I re- I'm reminded of what went on in this podcast with Bobby where we talked a lot about you know luck versus work. And um, I'm a firm believer in hard work, and I'm really not... I don't feel bad for the fact that musicians can't, you know, sit back and just collect, you know, bonus checks and royalties and all of that kind of shit like they used to. I just, you know, I guess I'm a fucking... I'm a prole, and, uh, you know, that's maybe cultural elite shit. You know, we all got to work. We got to work hard, and uh, that's how you survive, you know. It's like the least it's the most capitalist thing to expect that you're just going to kind of hit some jackpot with something you put out there and you're never going to have to work again and uh, that's my opinion so um, feel free to uh, chime in on the page and tell me I'm full of shit or whatever but uh, that's where I'm at so without any further ado let's get into Bobby Gorman two success
1: stories they're both like yeah Martin and I are,
0: are good friends yeah he um, was my roommate for two years you yeah know? Hibbs or what was it
1: uh we lived at the house on- on uh
0: eleven hundred block of grace oh really yeah so this this is well after uh you were in the dorms like was it in, i was in never college or was i was there? never in the dorms oh you no, weren't no did you go to v c u yeah yeah oh. but i'm from richmond, so i lived oh, really? i lived
1: in the East End where i've always lived and uh just commuted
0: you're an East End kid by birth
1: I moved right. to Richmond in the East End in nineteen seventy two so uh When I first moved to Richmond, I moved moved to the East End.
0: Where did you move here from?
1: Um, My parents were from the mountains of Virginia. My dad had gone to college in Richmond in the 60s. And then uh, for pre-med, when he went to medical college, he went to uh, Georgia University in in, uh, Athens. And that's where I was born. And then he got a a job with his former intern boss, the veterinary school here in Richmond. And and then we moved back. They moved back, but I moved here the first time when I was two and been here ever since. Or I was three, it was 72.
0: So we're the same age then, I guess. I was born in 70.
1: Uh, I'm, I'm just a couple months older than you then. Yeah. You're like I'm, I'm born in late 69. Oh, right on. August.
0: Uh, where did you, what neighborhood did you grow up in? Um,
1: out by the airport. There oh, really yeah. is
0: no name for the. Like it's like ish Yeah, before on,
1: on this side of the airport. So really, it was um, just a real generic uh, 50s. Um, you know, it was two streets. Right. It was right the, across from the skating rink.
0: The post-war, um, like fifth, the Winchester brick-like mm-hmm. houses. Like yeah.
1: Almost like a cape. It was a brick Cape Cod, which I guess is called a colonial. Mm-hmm. You know. So I just lived on. Uh, you know, my dad worked had a uh, veterinary hospital. In the East End, and you know what was it called?
0: Fairfield Veterinary. I wonder if we brought our animals there. Opie says there. it's good
1: now. It was uh-huh. bad for years after the owner that that was partners with my dad sold it. It was kind of shitty, and then mm-hmm. um, Opie, you know, who knows everything yeah, yeah, about everything,
0: the, right? And she, well, that she's also in the whole pit bull rescue thing. Well, and well
1: yeah, there. and it, if it's animals in Richmond, she knows about it. Mm-hmm. So she was telling me that the new owners have really taking it back up to being a legitimate or good place. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's across from that old mall, um, Fairville Commons,
0: by the Kmart. Is, well, what road is that out? Like, I can't even picture that right now. Uh, nine Mile, in oh, the corner okay. of Nine Mile and Lebanon. Yeah, we did used to go there. Yeah, um, it's got
1: kind of a '60s little garden. You walk through uh-huh. these little brick columns. And yeah, uh, it's real. I feel like
0: there's a windmill out that way or something <laughs> weird. Like that. Well, that's Mechanicsville. That's, there's, mechanics there's okay. that's even further east. Maybe there's another veterinary place. <laughs> there is the battlefield. Battlefield. That's, yeah, right, right. That
1: was Rich Harden. I knew everybody in the you know. You know that ga- in that game you're back then. In that yeah, game. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a small community.
0: So I heard somebody saying it's really hard to get into veterinary school. It is. It's like, it is. Cuz you got to know so many different species or what.
1: Um I think you have to do pre-med. Like and then, regular human
0: med pre-med.
1: I think pre-med's pretty general because yeah, yeah. pre-med is like you have to learn Latin.
0: Right. You know, just cuz so everything. you know yeah, exactly. Right.
1: So pre-med I mean it's really exhausting. My dad didn't have a lot of money so he went to school for like 10 years. -hmm. You know, I mean, on and off because he was trying to save the money to get through it. But yeah, I think it's you know uh, because humans are one species and animals are like tons of species. Right. You have to like have a lot more general like knowledge. Or
0: fucking uh, guinea pig in there, and then there's a dog.
1: (laughs) Well, there there is like Rich Harden at Battlefield was more um, farm related. Mm -hmm. Oh Um, yeah, yeah. At least the original owner, Rich. Um, So. You know, there's just. I guess you can specify. Uh-huh. I suppose. I don't know.
0: I'm going to mainly be dealing with horses and cows. <laughs> oh. There used to be a large animal veterinarian guy. What was it? that used to do a uh, spot on NPR. Uh, I forget his name, but he uh, he. You know, he was kind of like Frank Deford and whatever. He's like a commentator. He would get on and tell these little huh. home Spanish stories. <laughs> but, I, I missed it. Let's say animals and Latin, which brings is, is that's that brings us to gore because there's flatus maximus you have to know latin to be in also and <laughs> it, it figures into
1: our uh
0: i guess our ludicrous backstory so there's sure a lot of anatomy in in, in like bot like uh, bodily parts and things i mean there's a surgical quality maybe you've, you've found your way into a profession that involves constructing and then deconstructing the uh I I was.
1: I learned a lot from my. I was. uh, I made artificial legs Uh for a living for a a year when I was in college, and uh, you know, it's more of a process of of stuff that people wear. So I learned a lot of materials and how to uh, make something that's comfortable for people Mm -hmm. to wear. Since you know, wearing costumes is uh, them looking cool is one thing, but if you make something that looks cool but it's
0: unwearable, doesn't doesn't matter. You have to be able to play a rock show in it. Yeah. That's yeah. hard enough to do without a bunch of shit on right. your body. exactly. I so. would stand, when I did it briefly, I would stand there like a fucking statue. <laughs> <laughs> so this is, you know, I, I've known you and known of you for probably as long as you've been involved in gore. Um, but I never knew, I knew you were like a slave and in the Slave Pit so that's like you're on I remember seeing you on stage and all that and I, and I kind of always gleaned I know that you're an illustrator and you you do art um, are you, what is your role in Gore besides the performance I mean you're make you are part of making the uh, costumes and the devices and
1: yeah everybody involved in, in our uh, collective uh, our, our group and it you know to let people know that we are a rock band but you know our, our group Slave Pit our artist collective is is much more than that it's a group of people that um uh, you know uh illustrators costume makers filmmakers uh musicians uh so we all it's hard to describe any of us in one particular role mm-hmm. like officially I'm the shop foreman mm-hmm. as far as the business is concerned and the secretary of slave pit incorporated which is, sounds hilarious but um you know I uh I perform on stage and I play monsters and I play like a, a main character. Um, but you know, day to day operations is I just, uh, approve budgets mm-hmm. and make sure that, um, we can afford to make a crazy idea, mm-hmm. you know, cause even if, you know, w- there's still constraints because, you know, we're, we're spending our own money on mm-hmm. these things and right. we, we want to do the craziest thing in the world. But, uh, if it won't fit in a club right. that we're going to play and, uh, it costs you know six thousand mm-hmm. dollars, which you know some of the costumes do. Um, wh- what what is the point? I mean, we, we entertain a lot of crazy stuff, and I'm really proud of how nuts we go with it. But there is a certain amount of pragmatism that has to be involved, right, and, and right. I'm pretty I'm pretty proud of being able to rein some of these ideas and say like, yes, but you know, gravity is involved here. <laughs> and, and <laughs> it won't work. You just can't. It won't. It won't fit.
0: <laughs> on the stage.
1: So, and and we've, you know, it's not like it's Unless something you have
0: to cart it around with you on a tour, Yeah, right?
1: or ship it to Europe or yeah. whatever, you know. So, uh that that's been a hard-learned lesson and it's not like it's something I invented. We all learned it through a lot of mistakes, you know, because we've been doing it a long time, but, you know,
0: it's just I mean, you're, you know, when I talked to Dave a while ago, you know, he's he's the a musician that got into this. I mean, for if you can call, I guess he's a musician. Oh, know, absolutely. Got, yeah. Um but, you know, you, there was a cho- you got your chocolate and my peanut butter thing that kind of went on around VCU that was like death piggy con- combining with an existing thing that Hunter was doing
1: yeah and, i mean that, that's that's the thing i am i'm working on a, a, there's a lot of misconceptions on how the slave pit and guar uh kind of started and mm-hmm. it and it is a really hard to sum up in one paragraph you know a mission statement how it got started but to really sum it up is you know um as as most of your listeners probably are going to know, Richmond's a very unique place mm-hmm. as far as like the amount of creativity uh and and weird creative people in a small area. Mm-hmm. Uh so it really that's a huge factor. Um Hunter Jackson was a VCU uh uh communication arts uh, major who had you know started making uh, films, weird sci-fi films. And he wanted to incorporate music into his sci-fi films. Dave Brockie was a P.A.P., a painting and printmaking major, who was in a theatrical punk band. And uh, neither of them were Guar, but out of the two of the projects, Death Piggy and the movie project both disintegrated, but Guar kind of... And the, the amount of talented musicians, sculptors, cartoonists that were around... Is really kinda Guar came out of this uh, uh, labor pool mm-hmm. of creative people. A slave pit. Yeah, people just <laughs> jumping on, myself included, mm-hmm. even though I wasn't one of the original people. You know, I was the same way. I didn't I wasn't liking as much uh, art school as I was what was happening with Guar and I just sort of jumped ship because I was like, that's more what I want to do, like I you, want,
0: do, what had you come to art school for? What was your thing? I, I
1: probably should have gone to a, tech, a polytechnical school because what I wanted, I wanted to, I wanted to be a cartoonist, mm-hmm. and I, I liked drafting. I wanted to learn, uh, you know, perspective. And art school was much more in the '80s. For people that don't know, in the '80s, uh, art school was really about abstract stuff that mm-hmm. was left over from the '60s because mm-hmm. all of my teachers were. 60s students right. who are now faculty. And so... Uh,
0: and the 80s had just seen a big explosion of, of rich people buying abstract expressionist art yeah, and, for exactly. lots and lots of money.
1: Yeah, and that was what was being pushed at, at fine art schools, whereas I wanted to go to, like, learn, you know, I wanted to, it, The only thing that... The only, my only um, th- uh, thing that I had offered to me in that kind of thing as an illustrator, you know, was... Uh, communication arts which is very very um competitive mm-hmm. and i didn't want to do that i didn't those want those are
0: people trying to get in advertising yeah. and stuff right
1: and that's not what what interests me or at news all newscasting yeah right? <laughs> yeah I, I, I wasn't interested in that at all so mm-hmm. i was sort of disappointed when i got to to art school and i was thinking of art school as being a lot more uh crazy i mm-hmm. guess from just my my naive sort of like uh, assumptions and uh so I saw Guar and I was like well that's more in keeping of you know uh music costumes you know real berserk no no formal you know constraints um and you know VCU in their defense has come you know because of juxtapose and because of Robert Williams and things like that it's come around to figurative work is accepted now but when mm-hmm. I you know if you were trying to draw like a robot or a skull in nineteen eighty seven in art school, like that was that was like F, right? You know? right. <laughs> that was like you know the this thing
0: actually looks like what it's supposed to be. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh,
1: So I, I butted heads with a lot of my professors, mm-hmm. and and I, I sort of just sort of started interning at the slave pit and was spending more time there, mm-hmm. and it just sort of was a war of attrition, I guess you'd say. I just was like, well, this is what I am going to do.
0: Like, I am going to do this. And uh, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna drop that. How did you get on like, like that? I mean, like there must have been lots of other kids who, you know, or other people or, or that were around that wanted to do that and get in there. And yeah, you know.
1: it's, it's, it's true. It's more um, willingness t- to deal with the if you really want to do it. I mean, people to this day say like, oh, you're so lucky. You know, it's great you have that job, but I'm like, yes, you are correct. I am, I am very lucky. But they say I would love to do that, and they say like, I don't know if you would or not because it's, it's not like it's easy. Yeah. You know, it's, it's not. You know, I don't know if you could deal with. I mean, I work with a lot of lunatics, you Mm -hmm. know, and I love it, and that's I've decided to do that. But you know, the, the thing I keep repeatedly saying is, you know, at your job, there's probably the one guy that screws everything up for everybody Mm -hmm. every job but there's always that one guy that messes everything up i was
0: like i work with 11 of those guys like everybody
1: i work with
0: Uh is that guy who could potentially be the one this time
1: yeah so it's it's not like um so i just i started hanging around for all the right reasons like i wasn't there to be in a rock band to be a performer i wanted to learn how to make costumes i wanted to learn how to make monsters and I really love everything. I liked Skulls. I liked Robots. I liked, mm-hmm. you know, uh, Evil Dead 2. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and it was really just like people that were there just to hang around, you know, kind of we, – we were at work. We were the hardest work in band and rock and roll. Mm-hmm. I mean you can't just pretend and, and hang around. You're just going to get in the way. Yeah. So anybody that says they want to be there, if they don't pick up a paintbrush or actually do something, it's like you got to go. Yeah. You know, yeah. The, the, you got you got to go because there's no room. We just, right. we're too busy doing stuff. Mm-hmm. And I thrived off that. I mean, all I wanted to do my whole life was do stuff. Was like yeah. make stuff. And when I got into that environment, I really do. I will have to say, like, I hit my stride because I was like, these are the people I've been looking for. Mm-hmm. You know, they they're doing it. And and uh, the best thing about it is they didn't know what they were doing either. Like, that's what I appreciated. It's like, I I had probably been stopping myself for a really long time because I was like, well, I don't know how to do that. So I won't. When I got involved with the slave pit, I was like, well, nobody knows what they're doing. Right. You have to just learn. You have to make mistakes. Mm -hmm. You make a costume, it gets destroyed. And you say, oh, well, I I guess I'll make it different than that. Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. but that's, you can't let the fear of failure stop you from just, just going for it. And, you know if I, it took a group of people already doing that and that's that's the thing about the the group the slave pit is that there's this snowball of people getting involved and you, they feed off each other mm-hmm. you know so we're all bigger than just one of us there's not you know uh one person it's not rob zombie uh yeah. hiring all of us to do his idea right. it's like it's our idea you know and because and the and the cool factor about that is is that because there's, there's no money yeah it it started out maybe as two or three people's ideas but it quickly became all our ideas because you can keep your ideas a hundred percent to yourself if you have enough money to pay someone right if you don't it becomes everybody's yeah you know and so that's how it happened with us and that's how I became a part of it I was like I'll stay around for no money because I want to do this
0: it's a very it puts me in mind I mean it's a very interesting thing that I think I, I've learned, like, late in life, late, maybe later than you learned it, like, you, you, you figured it out that you had to work hard and you had to make mistakes and you had to try and you had to be willing to get back up and do this thing again. You know, it took me a kind of a while to realize, oh, you know, not getting it right the first time is not failure. That's part of the process of, yeah. like, learning. Um, but this, this other part that, you know, so many people who are creative types cry foul when, I don't know, a record label or somebody else isn't willing to give them a whole bunch of money to realize they're ideas and it never occurs to them maybe they should just try to come up with the money and figure out a way to do it so that they can have complete control and they can do their ideas because whenever you get involved with something like a major label most of the time right you're depending upon this these resources they have and they're freely giving this they're banking on you that you're going to make this worthwhile for them that they're going to throw all this fucking money into you but there's this entitlement a lot of musicians have had over the years that like they've written these awesome songs and they should just be showered with gifts. And now they all have to work like Guar always (laughs) has because that just there. First of all, you don't need all of that. You don't need to make all of that stuff to just to get music out there. You don't need a shipping network. You don't need a manufacturing thing. I mean, you don't, you don't require all of that stuff to make an object, but also, you know, people can steal it. So you need to go out and tour and play and uh, support yourself that way. But, you know, it seems like you guys learned that early on. I mean, you used to make a fair amount of money from what Dave says from selling records. Right?
1: Yeah. Um, and and part of what I'll, I'll address this in two parts, because uh, that was a really long, but it was a very uh, well put thought. Um, number one, record labels, there's a myth of rock that record labels give you money. All, re- record labels are banks. Yeah, they lend you your own money mm-hmm. at then an exorbitant rate. Poop, right. Yes, yeah. There's, there's no like the idea that because people have said to me, well, why doesn't Metal Blade just give you a, a bus? And I was like, no record label. They are like, the Rolling Stones label gives them, and I'm like, no, they don't. No one gives anyone anything. You know, rule number, number one. Right. They're gonna make some money off you, and they're lending you your own money. Basically, mm-hmm. so the less of that that you take, the better off you are. The more you will make back if you don't take any advances. Now, you know, obviously, Gwar learned that the hard way too, because we did get advances from Metal Blade and we did take things. But, um, you know, the second part of that is is that Gwar kind of picks up where the end of the hardcore era ends, mm-hmm. and and we are part of our communistic ethos comes from the good side of of punk rock mm. the the ethos of you know screw the system that's not ours this is ours or you're, it's up to us to make our own uh way you know we're not going to depend on these archaic systems that rip people off you know of course we have you know, mm-hmm. and we've made mistakes or whatever, but because you know guar kind of starts eighty five is where hardcore is really ending, there was still that idea of the do it yourself everything that Nike and all these companies have sort right, of co-opted right. of just you know don't rely on that do it if you don't know how to do it, figure it out, mm-hmm. you know, book your own tours you know uh from a phone, like you know just uh wing it mm-hmm. figure it out and and I would say that's. Uh, you know, punk rock or or hardcore's uh, the debt that we owe them is that you know even though we're our own thing and we're kind of unique, we don't really can't, don't figure into any one particular thing. You know, we do owe a lot to like the Black Flags and stuff as far as like just getting out there and uh, like what touring, system?
0: making yeah. your own shit, selling it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What
1: what what way can we make money? Like, mm-hmm. let's figure this out. Like, you know, and and. Um, it's not like people hadn't done that before us or we invented anything, but we are a unique creature because we're not you know four dudes and a back line. we have costumes we mm-hmm. have things, so we had to figure out kind of our own formula, but it was based in the idealism of um we don't want to be part of you know this this former machine,
0: we want to start our own. And you thing. also don't want to be stopped by waiting for that machine to come around and recognize yeah. that you're a value to them and then, you know, give you the money to do it or right. loan you the money to do it. You yeah.
1: Can- yeah. It, it's 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 self-empowering, really, mm-hmm. because, you know, the whole every every level of it, it was self-empowering. It's like, I don't know how to make stuff. Well, I'll, I'll try. It'll break. I don't know how to, you know, I no record label is interested in me. I'll get out there and I'll play until people are interested in me and then they'll record me and blah, blah. blah you know it's just really um anything you learn in 101 like don't let the fact that this isn't there stop you from just going ahead and doing it and then figuring it out later mm-hmm. you know so i'm pretty proud of of that the side of us the uh, communal uh do it yourself side of us cuz we're still true to that to this day i mean it it probably has um you know it it's the 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 band's like uh Slipknot and, and uh and Rob Zombie and, and Marilyn Manson have kind of I mean and early on what's really weird is all three of those uh groups all said that they were big war fans. Mm-hmm. And as soon as they got big, they just were like, Well, you know, we're not really mm-hmm. aware of who that is. Like, you know, they were all really yeah, yeah, like we saw this band Guar and we decided mm-hmm. we want to do something like that and actually make money. <laughs> right, right. Right. Um but you know what? I mean, it's not it's not we, we have gotten smarter with the way we do business lately, and we we're all I'm, – I'm really proud of of that we've – we're still doing it, and we've made it work for ourselves. Mm-hmm. We've made mistakes for sure, but like the fact that we still do it and make a living at it – and we're fairly true to the communal ethos that, that you know, GWAR started as or Sleep had started as. Mm-hmm. So,
0: um, yeah, all I was that really tr- struck when I was over there. That it is that, that, like, you know, I mean, I remember Davis was over there working for you guys. He'd come back into town, and, and like, you guys have been able to give him a job, like, working there again. And I was like, wow, this this isn't just this, like, rock show. It's this ongoing business. There's something going on at Slave Pit all the time. People are building things, making things. There's, like, a lot of work to be done. You're an employer of people who maybe couldn't even find jobs anywhere else <laughs> and
1: the other thing is that you know if davis as an example um Excuse me. he he's working on a, a small independent movie right now mm-hmm. and he's using our shop mm-hmm. because we're not doing anything with it right now now we could charge him rent but you know that's silly because there's nothing going on there right. so he's working on some costumes and you know part of the whole thing is is that um uh, We probably don't pay any of ourselves enough. So, at least there could be some perks of like, oh, yeah, you know, we have a studio here. Mm-hmm. You know, buy your own materials, use right. the studio. Because, you know, renting a studio is expensive. Yeah. You know, so it's really like there's a lot of give and take where, you know, A, you know, a, a guy who can sculpt really good uh, likenesses or make rubber costumes, we should be paying $35 an hour. You mm-hmm. know, we don't. You know, right. We don't pay ourselves anywhere near that. So he's like, well, at least you can have a free studio when you want right. to fiddle around or try and get yourself off on, you know. And a lot of times we say, you know, well, if, if you're going to make a, you know, if you're going to make $1,000 or something, we don't want any of that. Mm-hmm. Make a million dollars with one of your ideas and give us 10% because, yeah. you know, you get the guar got you off, you know, the right, thing. Right. And and that's kind of what we're trying to do, and, you know, with these, like, new things. Is this like – um. We don't want to. We don't want to keep anybody from from making a living mm-hmm. because you know it, it's tough keeping us all employed. And we don't employ ourselves constantly around the clock. We 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 have cycles of having projects that are funded, and we we employ as many of us as we can for those projects. But you know, it's really like most of us still have other jobs that we go and do. You know, mm-hmm. our new guitar player is a plumber. Yeah, you know, and he's cool with that. You know, I mean we would love to have a song on the radio, I guess at this point only because then he wouldn't have to go be a plumber.
0: <laughs> sure. But you know, I mean, I don't know. Like, I guess I, I've really, I, and I don't know if it's cause I'm like in my forties and like, I have changed my priorities and whatever, but I, I see like, there's just so much talk about freedom, you know, like there's so much freedom to do, whatever it is that you want to do and build a life around that if you adjust what your expectations are yeah. from that, you know. And that and, and it is you don't have to live in poverty, you can just appreciate other resources besides the things I mean, like being able to use a studio or whatever, or, or finding you know, finding some other source for something rather than buying it from the most expensive place you can get it or renting the most expensive thing. I mean, it's part of being creative is being resourceful and and I have so much more appreciation for being resourceful in life um, and not pursuing, like, making some certain amount of money and achieving some certain amount of success so that I can buy it at the most marked-up rate, you know, from the most inflated, um, you know, conveyed-value-emperor's-new-clothes version of <laughs> of something, instead to say, I trust my own judgment of what is... Val-. I mean, that's we call that punk rock, but in a lot of ways, that voice that I see coming up out of the 70s is a voice of common sense. Who the fuck says you have to be Foreigner or Journey or any of those huge stadium rock bands to do it? Who says you have to play um, like Eddie Van Halen to play guitar? Where did did people get the idea that they weren't allowed to be musicians or be performers or anything unless they were in this one sort of Illuminati of people in L.A. or New York? And why did we buy into it? You know, the thing, the great equalizer, I think, of communication of the Internet is that, is that we realize, what are we aspiring to? We're aspiring to this fake game in a couple of key locations that, have, that don't do anything to make anybody any better or happier or whatever. We've just bought into this idea. And it used to be really necessary, like you can't make movies anywhere but Hollywood. There's some, enough room in all these sound stages, and that's where the industry was. We you don't need any of that stuff anymore, really, right? I mean, you can make it all at the... You know, the slave pit with a good digital camera. You don't have to buy film. You don't have to develop film, you know.
1: Well, you know, once again, this is a very – that was a very complex <laughs> statement, and
0: I'll, I'll answer it in two sections. You don't have to answer it. I mean, you can just, you know, talk back at me. Right, yeah. You know, I guess
1: that's what I, uh, I mean me about that. You are
0: having a conversation here, but I'm not <laughs> grilling you.
1: <laughs> I don't feel like you are at all. I, uh, I've i got a lot of input, though, based on what you're saying. Like There are two things, though. You know the people that have left that we might have been able to keep had we had a song. Like, by no means are we aspiring to be. Can't just do these things because they're cool. I need to structure my life in a different way. Mm-hmm. And it's been, you know, that's the thing. I'm still on the fence have a about a different
0: family. Yeah, now, you know, yeah. Right. Well, I
1: mean, a lot of these people are still. They're still shareholders. We still mm-hmm. pay them royalty checks. They still come in like and sculpt and do things. But the 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 promise that we could not you know there there is a thing as I've gotten older I've learned you know it it's not black or white. You don't have to like be poor or be a sellout. There's a middle ground. And I think we're at a good point of that now. Now something like a song on the radio where we're still relying upon touring, we're still relying upon uh, the live show and what we're known for But that would just be money Where we could keep people employed more It would just do more for us sure. So anything that we do That we get featured in a movie Any kind of publishing that comes trickling in We make money off the song That's in Universal Soldier 2 yeah. you know? We have so many like little trickly income streams That don't add up to much But when you add them all up They pay the lights that much you know, just because we said, yeah, we'll we'll let Sadama Go-Go be in Universal mm-hmm. Soldier 2. And that mm-hmm. seems absurd. But thinking about things like just we want to do everything we want to do and how can we do that? And if it takes a song on the radio, like to keep more people around here, you know, that's the thing. Like I uh,
0: – That's uh, – but I mean that doesn't seem realistic. Like what radio is now? Like why, why would Gore be on the radio? Like – well, I mean, well, it's I mean, such a very specific, manufactured... Yeah, um, I
1: don't know. Like, the thing is, the song, the, the guys that write the music, uh, the stuff that's on the radio now, the metal that's on radio now, you know, is... Yeah, but the
0: content, you know... And, right.
1: But, I mean, the thing is, there's some songs where Dave is just singing something about where you can't even understand what he's saying, and it's a real catchy thing. He might be talking about, you know, killing the president, but no one can tell. You know, and it, it things have changed to the point where what used to be shocking is now mainstream. You right. know, and we're doing the same thing we've always done. You know, it's really the case of like the Dickies being poor and uh, Green Day being millionaires, right. you know. That's the sad thing about it is that but it
0: just doesn't seem and maybe I'm being a total fucking idealistic. about <laughs> you know it doesn't seem that sad to me, you know, that the Dickies don't get to be Green Day because to me Green Day is Something that I, as a mu- you know musician, don't aspire to, you know, like no. It's more what
1: I'm saying to that. Is, to that degree, is that the songs are pretty much the same chord structure, and the guys that did it first are penniless, and right. the guys that did it second are millionaires, or third, or yeah, or whatever. Many yeah, iterations. yeah, yeah. So what I mean but is, if like- there's somewhere that's a gray area in between where it's not the Dickies sell out and are these pieces of shit rock stars, but they just get a little more money than they have now, which is, you know, they don't have a lot of money and they should because, you know, as far as... But you know what
0: what gives... Why Green Day are where they are isn't the chords and it's not the It's the marketing. It's the songs. I mean, they write good songs. Dickies write great songs. uh, First three albums. I don't know. I can't sing any of them right now and I've listened to the Dickies plenty, but I can sing... Um, like Basket Case or whatever the hell that song is like you you asked me to sing a, a fucking Green Day song I can come up with five or six of them and I don't listen to the radio right. you know I mean I used right. to watch I mean it's the song it, it, you know that, that gets you there it's not like
1: no I would say it's David Geffen is what got them there yeah. I don't think that they their songs are any better than the anything of off
0: were on BGC. you know and, that was
1: that feeding frenzy that happened after right. it Smells Like Teen Spirit I mean there was just a feeding sure. frenzy of, of things and you know uh, not saying that Guar couldn't have been a part of that. It's just we um, we were we we chose not to be. Yeah, and, you chose. You
0: totally chose a brand and a thing, right? Um, that was seemed to be saying, "I don't even want any part of what you guys are doing." You know, like I mean, that seemed to be the statement. Yeah, like, but you know, there's <laughs> that
1: there's that skit. I mean, and the Richmond's full of it. It's that, uh, yeah, keeping it real. You know that that. Uh, uh, David Chappelle thing Where you know People do shoot themselves In the foot For trying too hard To keep it real You know that's what I mean And so what I'm saying Is getting a little older You realize It doesn't have to be All or nothing You can say like Like I said We've put uh, songs in movies That are embarrassing movies Yeah but it
0: was your song And like you know If it ends up playing In it's not like you, you didn't have to change anything. You would already written the song. You don't know, write it right, for a right. Universal Soldier 2. Right. And I'm, I think that's awesome that like you know they they wanted to use it and they found some context for it. That's not like I don't even believe in selling out unless what you you're constructing everything you're doing in the name of money. There is no integrity to what you're doing. You're doing it like wherever the market is right now. You're going there. Right. That's selling out. Not making money off of what you already are going to do. You know.
1: So well, that's what I mean. Like if if if. Uh well, like, let's say the Dead Kennedys, I think they offered them some... Some they, The reason why they had that big split with Yellow was that, you know, they wanted... They were a very, like, their political stance on things was no to capitalism in general. Right. And when they offered the money for the... I think it was a Nike commercial. Mm-hmm. You know, Jello was like, absolutely not. And the rest of them hadn't really uh, structured their life. They were older and they said, yeah, well, we want some money now. And mm-hmm, this is mm-hmm. just... It's a song we already wrote. Right S- and and he was like, but our whole stance is no to consumers right. consumerism. So absolutely not. Like right. I wrote fifty percent of that song. No, 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 no. And they got in a big lawsuit over that. Right. So w- what I'm saying is, is that we have no political stance on money. Right. You know, we're from outer space.
0: Right, right, <laughs> right. I mean, it's a beautiful spot to be, and you're covered in costumes. And so, like, kids, yeah. it doesn't matter how old you get, as long as. Yeah, I mean, you can still bear the weight of all that styrofoam or foam <laughs> rubber or whatever the hell it's made out of now. You that know? <laughs> yeah, that's
1: a completely different uh, uh, a topic as far as you know. Will we replace ourselves or? And that's something that you know we've you been discussing. Not. So mm-hmm. we don't we don't even know what's what we will do with that. That's kind of awesome.
0: Yeah, but you know, I, I just I, I feel like I grew up, you know, especially in this town you know we were talking about this before we turn on the mics with this sense that somebody had something that i didn't have and they, they were somehow keeping me from getting it you know and and then a, a culture springs up around hating on the oppressor right but and and again it's not an either or of socialism or capitalism because you can have this m- melding of it like you know it shouldn't be one motherfucker who's pulling all the strings who like you were talking about before like you know a rob zombie or or one Svengali one guy that's reaping all the rewards you know some robber baron character who's exploiting everybody that's that is a extreme of capitalism that we've really worked to sort of figure out a way to even out over and over again through legislation and and just social values and i mean the the business people figure out how to keep that from happening on a certain level with with shareholders and all of that And, and then the government tries to keep that sort of thing in check from one person becoming too exploitative or powerful, but the the function of capitalism is just basically like trade, you know. That's the shit monkeys have been doing for a really long time. It the if it's your belief system that that's all you care about is money, I see rebelling against yeah. capitalism as a, a, a you know a, a crassifier of everything. But to me, a punk band, I mean. Look, I don't respect Iggy Pop as much when I see him get into that Varvatos car during the Super Bowl commercial. Oh God, I didn't and he's it. free to do that. I'm not saying he shouldn't do that, but what that brand—I mean, what Iggy Pop was to me—is no longer, I mean, he's not that guy anymore, right. or something like it's. It, but at his point, it doesn't matter if he fucks with that. You know, yeah. he still got that other legacy. Yeah. You know, and I'm never going to go see him now. I'm not going to go. Yeah. I mean, Funhouse. Right. Like that's all. Like, that's that Funhouse. Um, but, I mean, I, I really like capitalism if it's done with integrity. Yeah. You know, what we usually mean as 80s kids when we talk about capitalism is some kind of really bullshit, like, dehumanizing, exploitative, homogenizing yeah. thing where everybody's being made into a marketing product of corporate, you know, and, and well, there's a willing- whole p-
1: part of that in the Guar mythos. Like, we're fighting against the evil Glomco that's trying to uh, make uh, Guar and Slave Pit part of their... You know their brand, and uh, mm-hmm. so I mean there is part of that in our own mythos that, that we're against it, and I mean as us growing up and becoming more adult, and you start to realize like, well, I can either um, I can either uh, adapt slightly and make slight come because my my opinion is. Everything is a compromise. Everything in life is a compromise. It depends on how much of a compromise. Yeah. I mean, what do you
0: mean by compromise? You know. Well, I mean, like it's an important thing to because most people think when they hear the word compromise that they're losing something, right? You know, and it's really a form of finding a balance with what you want and what somebody else wants. We right. live in a fucking society. Yes. You know? So
1: you know, but but as artists, you know, artists are pretty self-absorbed as far as wanting a hundred percent control of everything, mm-hmm. and that's because as an adult you realize it's. Like nobody ludic- has that. that's ludicrous that's right a fuck who you are right. right, so you know as I've gotten older and and hopefully a lot of people I work with and sleep it and I do believe this because of the choices we've been making lately is um well, we could either stay a hundred percent true to our goals and you know be. Not on the mainstream radar at all, and then no one will find out about us, we won't have any money, and we won't be able to continue doing guar. or we just work slightly, like, we don't want to write anything, we don't, you know, try and write anything for anybody but our fans and what we like, Um but because things have changed so much, it's like, well, people like. I mean, the stuff that's on the radio is isn't as good as Guar. I mean, the the the, the sure. band that the the musicians are incredible, you know, and they have been for a long time. And things have changed due to, like, you know, Lamb of God or or you know anything, uh, you know, Pantera. I mean, that's that's mainstream music now, you know.
0: But, I mean, the radio. It's just relevant, irrelevant to me now. Okay, well, I mean, that's you could the You can control so many apertures. You can get your shit to people so many ways. Yeah,
1: but see, publishing, that doesn't pay publishing. Publishing is where you make
0: money. But you don't even need to – I mean, publishing basically now really means owning the rights to your music, right? Because mm-hmm. what publishing used to mean is it had to be imprinted onto something. And, like, well. you can make your music on a hard drive and –
1: you, but you have to have a you have to have a publishing deal, and someone has to collect that, and someone has to
0: to. So here's the difference: if you're selling it through a middleman, right? But if you're selling it yourself, you, what does publishing have to do with it? I mean, if if you just want to set up, all right. Well, this is this a is a misconception shit right about out of the slave pit. Well, that's right? because you know people know who we are.
1: Right. But here's the difference. Okay, um, people buy our our records all the time, right? And that's physical who product. buy them from? Well, we have digital downloads. We right. we have all that figured out. We figured all that out with the lawyers and but the thing is is that just buying it is you get the one time flat fee, right? Right. And that's just basically album sales and buying a song, a digital download, is the same thing. Right. Okay. Publishing is
0: if somebody uses your song for is playing it on the radio right.
1: you get a per you get a little ten cents, right? right. So the difference between us and like let's say uh, for example, I don't know if you ever saw that band, The Digits. I don't think so. It was a really good uh, band in the late 80s. It was a real cocky, hilarious stage presence. And mm-hmm. this guy, Rick Sims, he's a great guitar player. So a lot of people respect him. And um, I saw an interview with him recently because he was with the Super Suckers for a while. He was with um, a Lee Harvey Oswald band. He's just a great guitar player. And I saw an interview with him and they said, um, what's your favorite band? And he said, The Offspring. And the guy was like, you're joking, right? They're a terrible, terrible band. And he was like, they're my favorite band. And he said, (laughs) why are they your favorite band? And he said, because they covered one of my songs. Mm. And I've made more money off that song being played on college radio than I've made off any other thing I've ever done that people respect me for. He goes, so the publishing is, the songwriter gets a bit of it no matter what it is. If Mm. somebody else covers it, so you don't have to do anything but get a check because that's your song, and it has nothing to do with a record label. It has nothing to do with the evil middleman, because you well, know—not
0: evil, but like just well, somebody there, you got to kick back to. Yeah, you know. yeah,
1: that is yours. You needed him to get Th- there. That is yours, and right. so uh, interfering with album sales has nothing to do with publishing. Right. Like so. The whole Napster thing—the artists that wrote those songs were still getting money off radio play. So the thing is, is that you you have one song on the radio ever that's maybe a top forty hit for a minute. You're going to get a pretty good check for the forever, right? You know, uh, and not off album sales, off publishing.
0: Because so somebody else is somehow making money, like the, the radio stations are selling advertising, and they're yeah. making money off yeah. of it. And if they're making money because people are coming there, and part of what they're making money off of is the entertainment provided by your song that plays for three minutes on there, yeah, you get paid, yeah, you know. And you don't want that person making th- that money off that radio station of which your song is one of the things that they call entertainment on there without you getting your piece of it, you know. I like I totally understand it, but at the same time. It has occurred to me, and maybe this is because I've been totally stuck in the blue-collar world for, like, the last five years, you know, where, like, I punch a clock, and every hour that I'm working, like, is quantified, mm-hmm. you know, and I think about health insurance, it's costing me a dollar an hour, right. you know, for what I'm paying right now and all of that, and um, and I'm surrounded by people that are working like that, you know, that are... In fact, they aren't even valued as people. They're valued as people that will accept $8 an hour, $9 an hour, which I, is not what I'm making anymore. I've like managed to stick it out and got out of that situation. But what is a prime capitalist idea to me is the idea that you can create some kind of piece of art that you can sit back and collect money off of for yes. the rest of your life. Yes. And the reason that exists is because of capitalism, yes. because there's somebody else that can set up a dog and pony show around your piece of art. And make that part of the scenery and the attraction. It's, it's a circus, and that's one of the attractions at the circus. and so they get paid. But in some respects, it is kind of a ludicrous thing to expect from your music and your art. you know, and I don't mean to be judgmental when I say that, it's just that I've, I just see if after having spent five years and you know using my body to make a living and like driving forklifts and being in a forty degree room for yeah. forty hours a week, and things like that that I had to do. And I, and, I mean, I made choices to get me there. It's not like I'm some victim. But it gave put me in mind of a completely yeah. different yeah. way of looking at things that, like, playing music is a, is, a, is a reward in and of itself. Creating the art you want to create, all that kind of stuff is a reward in, in and of itself. And to aspire to get to be part of that game that other people are, are doing, um, to me, it it, it it sort of is, like, it, it takes away from it. And, like, those that game is is fading An ending, you know. The idea that um, you used to need me so that people would hear your music, you know, me, the guy that has enough money to get to press records and distribute records and get them in, and then you know, work out a deal with the guy at Tower and then pay the radio station to play it. You used to need me. There was no fucking other way that people were going to get a hold of your shit unless you went around from town to town and sold however many you could manage to make. That used to be the only way to do this. Now you can do everything yourself and you can build it takes a lot more work, you know, but you can take all the money that goes to you, you know no matter what
1: no I mean I, I understand where you're coming from and all I'm saying is that there's there is a balance though and and as you because I mean that's all we've been doing for the past twenty eight years mm-hmm. you know and at the end of the day that's something to be feel very proud about it's just when you think like I I need to worry about you know these other things like and I don't want to stop and get a job with the state right you know I want to continue to do this how do I get to do it smarter what are the yeah. what are, what can you do to work with the system that's already in place that you cannot destroy and say how can I work this to my advantage It's like borrowing money against your own home well, it's, you know it's, it's really
0: itself that that industry and I mean I liken it to like. Boy, I'd be sure lucky if somebody would run over my foot with one of those forklifts to work because <laughs> then I would just get a payday and I wouldn't have to work anymore. Right. You know, but really, I like working. Like I spent last summer, not, I quit my job for like three months and I was just doing this and, and like getting a little money here and there to support myself. And I missed, you know, going to work. and. I mean, you guys have got the best of both worlds. Like, it is a structured job like, that you go to, and well, it in it it, respect, it is I mean,
1: to some respects, but it's not because the thing is, we create the structure, and you know, we have to constantly be coming up hold with each new other th-
0: accountable. And
1: yeah, and, I mean, there there there's funded projects that we figured out how to make money on, and we do that, but like. You know, we have to set our own structure, and we could always say like, "Well, I can't come today." And then, you know, with 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 fourteen of us having to meet, or even with like, let's say we're going to do eight people, which is pretty realistic. um, Everyone's like, "Well, I can't make it at that time and this time, and I've got this part." You know, so it's it's a nightmare. You know, it's really cats, as they say. Yeah, it's a nightmare. So um, the structure is one that we all have to work really hard at. Mm-hmm. And and luckily, we've been doing it so long. It is second nature now. But when when people say, like, you know, you're l- l- people do say, like, it's so great. You're so lucky you have that job. And I, I do agree with that. I say, yes, it is lucky. I, I love it. I know that I'm, like, um, but unique. it's
0: not luck at all. You have worked very hard. Right. Bit the, of it. Luck and is made. You most know? of these people are that would say that are people who have been unwilling to work that hard. (laughs) Well, I mean, I I only say that
1: now because I try and get interns all the time and they show up and they work one day and then they leave and they never come back Mm -hmm. because they're like, oh, this isn't cool at all. This is standing around working, you know, making those costumes. Like, when people say, how long is that costume to make? And I'll say two months. You know, (laughs) two months. You know, and not even a 40-hour week. I'll say a 50- or 60-hour week. You know? And... I'm not on a roof, you know. I'm yeah. not in the back of Taco Bell. So I love working sixty hours a week right. because I'm making a costume for myself, you know. But the idea when you see like this fantasy of like they make crazy costumes and get paid for it, mm-hmm. it's like it's standing in one spot for eight hours mm-hmm. putting rubber in a mold. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. it's n- non glamorous. Mm-hmm. It's not glamorous, and you know, I've worked enough crappy jobs that it's awesome. Mm-hmm. You know, but that's just coming with.
0: Yeah. And, you know, and by the way, I mean, when I was saying what I was saying before, I developed a perspective based on that. And I'm not what most, you know, 90 percent of the world deals with. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And but at the same time, like the you know, the you've already stated this and I want to like fully like this is a message that I really like to get out there that like don't waste your time hating on things or wishing for other things. Work really hard on doing your own thing. Yeah. And it is fucking hard work, and you may not make very much money, but you don't – you really don't need that much fucking – I don't know where people – like, I mean, you need some money. But I've lived off of $20,000 a year, you know, like, you know, a bunch of times and been happy and having a great life. Yeah. You know, it's what are your expectations that you're supposed to have? I mean – I mean, I'm ranging around in a larger house now, but I picked a house in a part of town that's got some problems and whatever so that I could have that. I mean, made some compromises, yeah. as you said. Right. And, I mean, this is the – I think the thing that has got Richmond – there's a great thing about Richmond and a uh, a thing that I think one of the goals of this podcast is for people who are so passive and feel like they're just stuck in some tar pit in this town, to hear people like you say, no – When I was 20 years old, I decided to bust my ass and work on something, and I've kept working on it and it's sustaining me, you know, instead of waiting for some industry to come to town to give me that job or waiting for my big break or my ship to come in or whatever while I sit here with this beer looking, you know, increasingly fucking more busted and old and losing my teeth, you know? (laughs) Yeah, you know, and
1: and that is true. Like, there's nothing that... um that, that that does not help. I, I would say that luck is made a, a good per- percentage of luck is made, but I will also say that being at the right place at the right time. There's there's a lot of that that you cannot control. Right. I'm lucky the fact that I fell in with with like-minded people so early in my life. Um, you know, getting jaded doesn't help anybody, but you know. I uh, I am lucky in the fact that I fell in with a group of like-minded people so early, and I was at the point in my life where I was like, "Yes, I am going for it." And you know, for me personally, it has paid off in spades because this is what I wanted to do, uh, and I'm I'm still doing it. Twenty, I've been involved twenty five years. Mm-hmm. You know,
0: this year, so. Uh, well, what I see sitting across from me is a person that had enough <laughs> sense to really maximize and capitalize on an opportunity that, you know. I've had many of those kinds of opportunities that I've fucking blown. Right. You know, like many, many, many of them. So I've been lucky, 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 lucky all the time. That doesn't lead to anything. Luck doesn't go anywhere. If you know, you don't appreciate it. You know, I, I see it more like you picked what you wanted to do. You knew what you wanted to do. You found a way to do it when the original plan wasn't like giving it to you. It's true. And, uh, and, uh, yeah, the answer always is, no, I'm not lucky. I'm a hard worker, you know. <laughs> I'm, I'm grateful <laughs> that my hard work, <laughs> you know, is – Yeah,
1: some people work really hard and it doesn't pay off. I mean, that's – there is – there are some people that um, maybe they're not doing the right thing for themselves. Maybe maybe they, there is a, a factor of that and they haven't really found what they, they need to go for. But, I mean, I, I feel – A mixture of both. I don't think it's one or the other. I think, like everything, it's a little bit of both. It's a little bit of luck and a a lot of hard work because, um, you know, like I said, we we do work really hard at what Mm -hmm. we do. And uh, and, uh, if I didn't love it, you know, a a lot of other people work really hard, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's miserable. Like – and I have to remind myself sometimes when I'm like, man, I really wish – I didn't have these three costumes that are due in two weeks because I'm really stressed out. But, you know, other people are stressed out about other things and they're working, you know, they have nothing to show for it. Right. You know, so I do feel Mm -hmm. incredibly grateful for the fact that it's still my thing. You know, I'm part of it. It's become my thing. It wasn't my thing. You know, I didn't start Guar, I came in. Well, I thought fairly late, you know. I came in and we'd already been around for four now or you've five been years. In that band
0: for 30 years, right? Well,
1: 2024, 20,
0: <laughs> yeah. 25 soon. Um, cuz I, I think you're you were in the band when Scumdogs of the Universe. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Out. I'd yeah. been
1: I've been around 2 years at that, that point. That was
0: 89? Oh, 90. 90. Yeah. yeah.
1: I, I I started, you know, hanging around at 801 Broad Street in 88. I did I did a show with Warren in 88 where I just you know, but that's the thing is we, if you're hanging years, around like 10 yeah. years old. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Mm. Um, but, uh, you know, you're, you're, you're correct in a lot of ways. I mean, uh, uh, it's, it's, it's hard work.
0: You know, and I don't, um, I'm not saying this to be right. I'm saying it be, you know, like, and, and also to, uh, I I don't know I feel this really this need to to like get people to appreciate what the fuck they have you know because I really didn't you know I have not like, (laughs) and I found out what it was like to like not really I mean luckily I didn't have had to go to jail or or like really get fucked up but like you know we got it good man I mean even in rich people got it good here like overall and then like how much you don't have it good is really like a mental state you know it's like you know being a just being a whiner or being like you know misery and suffering is so much you know is self-created cr- or
1: I've I've been surprised at like sort of waking up you know to the fact that younger people that have moved to this town that have heard it's something like you know this is the that's the crazy place to go where all those bands are that you know Municipal Ways comes from Richmond and I heard they have warehouses and stuff um you know Richmond had kind of stopped being that way and a lot in, in my opinion what i've learned is that a lot of kids heard about the golden age of Richmond came here thinking it was like that still and basically made it that way again yeah. because they didn't know it, it had stopped being that way so i just turned around and one day there's you know bicycle gangs and people yeah. starting their own business there's a real self empowered bunch of kids a doing a of lot kids of kids weird here have made yeah.
0: this thing that we used to
1: have yeah and and i'm i'm I mean, I'll go to Strange Matter. Uh, You know, I didn't go out to see bands for like eight years because I just couldn't handle it because I was, you know, just burnt out, uh, you know. And to a certain extent, I still am because I do it for a living. But then I just realized how much great music was coming out of Richmond again, Mm -hmm. and I was missing out. Uh, We started renting – to bands again we hadn't for a long time we got a bigger space and we built some rooms and we started hearing the bands that were renting from me and i was like man there's some incredible bands in richmond and probably had been the whole time Mm -hmm. you know i can't say one way or the other because i didn't go see them but right now i can go to strange matter two or three nights a week you know and hear noise uh goth punk metal there's just great stuff and i'm 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 trying like what you're saying about Realizing what I have, yeah, like this is a golden era of Richmond right now. There's mm-hmm. there's people doing a lot of neat stuff, and it won't it'll go into an uh, uh, you know it'll go down again,
0: like everything else does.
1: Yeah, and it'll be a phase where it'll suck again, and they'll, mm. they'll close Strange Matter, and they'll close you know right. will buy the nine hundred block of Gray Street, uh, and I hope not, but probably so. Um, and something else will happen somewhere else. But when I realize, like you know, Strange Matter. And places like that are trying just to just have stuff happening. It doesn't matter what it is. There's no like keeping it real. It's just it's just people having fun and playing right. weirdo stuff. And that's the kind of Richmond that I love. No like lines of demarcation. Like we're the you know the straight edge old rock old punk rock thing because that's that's lame. You know, mm-hmm. I, I just think just people doing weird stuff and enjoying themselves is what really Richmond is all about it's like not a dogmatic in fact I'm kind of against this whole like RVA uh, thing that's going on because once you start telling people or deciding things are cool they're not cool anymore when people are telling me how cool Richmond is I was like I know that I live there Mm -hmm. if you have to state it it's not true anymore or it's becoming not true so like let's keep it a secret let's keep it to ourselves how cool it is like you know I mean it doesn't need to be a brand you know, for Adidas, it's mm-hmm. it is it, our thing, and it's great. And uh, it doesn't... Yeah, i got
0: to watch that myself. I mean, I've kind of come back here from being gone. I've been here almost a year now, and a big part of, like, it was me wanting to say, it's cool, it's cool, you know? And, you know, it's like, let's just let it be cool, you know? Yeah. Because my definition of cool is what you described a little while ago, is how I remember coming out of high school and doing my first year of ECU commuting from home. And then getting an apartment my sophomore year, and suddenly I was in the middle of what was going on then, and it was a feeling like there wasn't any negativity. It was all like, let's the more the merrier. Like, yeah. come on, let's do this, let's yeah. do that. There's this show, there's that, and that's the coolest thing in the world. Is as Parker um, from R-V-A. Gallery Five. Oh, Parker, yeah. put it, yeah, in RVA, man, yeah. Uh, he says radical acceptance, or, or no, um, the fuck, radical inclusion. You know. Like that's awesome, yeah. Like, cause all of that shit where people are drawing lines, those lines exist inside your head and inside you. You're portion you're sectioning off parts of you. You know, you're right. you're you're holding a spot in your head w- where there's some shit you don't like and you're not down with it and you don't dig, and you go around making your reality out of that gripe and that like that thing. And it's like it's very seldom you actually encounter it, you know, out there in the world. Uh-huh. It's just part of your internal yeah. landscape, you know and that wasn't you know there was a brief period of time you know that's what i call the this golden age where it seemed like nobody had a problem right with stuff we you yeah. were being left alone to do whatever you wanted to do ar- around a certain chunk of richmond yeah. around you know vcu and grayfield yeah being
1: left alone is is the key and you know i'm for things like this podcast i'm obviously for you know championing my city i'm not saying that it's more of the um champing it in a different way like having the rva stickers on police cars it's like branding it that way it's like and it's the cop cars that are shutting down house shows it's like there's a real irony at a base level right there it's like you're championing a city and you're the one shutting like take the sticker off Mm -hmm. you don't you know like and it's it's a brand that like you know rva creates came up with is this like you know marketing scam well, You
0: made me, but you wonder how fun would a house show be if it wasn't in danger of being shut down by the it's cops? still
1: fun like the the <laughs> house shows i go to house shows kind of often now because i'm like i know where they are and they've gotten smarter about them they know the noise ordinances so they're over by 11 yeah and they're still great the, the kids have just gotten smarter mm-hmm. they always do they're like oh house shows are getting shut down because the neighbors are complaining and cops are finding out about it, well, it's word of mouth now, and it's over by eleven or eleven thirty. So,
0: and that brings us back to the idea of compromise, right? Because look, really, what's the problem with the noise ordinance? Well, there's somebody who lives there nearby right. who doesn't want to hear that shit, right? And have as much of a right not to hear that shit as you have a right, right. to hear that shit. So to recognize that you live, and, and this is like I think the evolution, and it's not just people our age, maybe. Yeah, these are, these
1: are, I mean, the, the house shows I've been going to where I'm the oldest guy in the room. I mean, I'm, I'm an old fuck. Like, it's mm-hmm. a bunch of, like, you know, 20-year-old kids. But it's, it's cool it's awesome. to
0: recognize that you can do what you want to do and recognize that other people have shit they want to do. Right. And, and it doesn't have to be in collision. It can right. flow around. Like, the idea of stopping the show earlier, you can still do it. You don't, it doesn't have to be constantly railing against, well, why can't I do it to 1 o'clock in the morning? Why right. can't I do whatever I want? Right. You nobody can. Nobody has that control. And, yeah. you know, everybody has to make allowances, you know. You're yeah. right. and and that see that seems to be more powerful to me than a, like a surrender of something or, or a giving up of something is to realize again, this is a resourceful, these kids are resourceful. That's part of being creative. Yeah. How can I do it? Right. If it's being shut down by the cops because I'm doing... well. All right, well, then I... Instead of... We're not trying to elude the cops. The cops don't want to fuck with that shit either. Right. They don't have a problem with rock shows. They are getting a... Somebody's calling them and demanding that they do something. Right. You know? I don't think maybe there's the occasional one that gets off on it, but the ones I used to encounter were like, please don't make us have to come back over here. Right, right. You know? Because it's really... We... Like, everybody who lives in Richmond has a right to having Richmond be whatever it is they want Richmond to be. You know, like, if it's my mom living over on 28th and Gray Street, who, you know, doesn't except, want Except the developers. Right. <laughs> because those aren't residents. They're yeah. real estate speculators. Right. And, I mean, I don't, tell me what you think about this. I mean, I I think that the reason that, ultimately, these big projects that the city has always has done throughout our lifetime, since downtown started to go under... Downtown wasn't ever a thing that one person put together. You know, it was a bunch of like hundreds of businesses that decided to do business in a place that was convenient to them. And some of them got to be as big as Miller and Rhodes and Tallhammers and Barry Burke and all of that shit. And then it became unpractical to do it there. So organically that flowed elsewhere out into the suburbs where they could do it. You cannot artificially recreate that thing. You can't take a shitload of money and build a thing and have people come to it because the people that would be interested in that sort of thing are going out to the artificial bullshit that's already available yeah. to them as short pump and um, yeah, I mean. even further out in like Midlothian now there's some huge thing and as my dad pointed out this used to be rolling Piedmont out here and there's this giant, giant thing. The people who love the city are displaced by this. They don't want anything to do with that. They're not going to go to those places. Right. So uh, You ultimately need to stop trying to artificially create something and let the let the creatures that are inhabiting this have their symbiotic thing and build it but
1: i mean that's just uh you know i've always said about how much i love of richmond is that it's never had the the one thing that i would have a problem with richmond is that it doesn't have a really good sense of itself it's it's a neurotic city The thing that makes it great,
0: like... Neurotic city? Neurotic. That's the follow-up to Prince's erotic
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, I mean, the thing is that the thing that makes us great, you know, the suits, I guess, I'll I'll call them the squares, have started to realize that and they're trying to get in on that with with all these, like the RVA creates and all this stuff. Mm -hmm. But, you know, they just see things happening and they want to make some money off of it. Mm -hmm. Like, it's happening without them and they have nothing to do with it they're just trying to get in on it
0: and well, you know thi- good and goddamn well that that's what manhattan has been all along yeah is that the they're the people down in the east village or in greenwich village or in alphabet city or in brooklyn they're creating something yeah and then they're the people with the money with the yeah, loudspeaker always- coming down and exploiting they they take that and they broke and they steal the ideas the fashion industry the advertising income. yeah yeah. And
1: and it, it just – well, you know, and, and that's sort of the history of a lot of our country and that's fine. It's just more personal to me here and the fact that ourselves, we as the people that are part of it and have been a creative force, haven't done enough to capitalize upon it. And we've let – I agree it, with let, you know the, the thing is that everybody uh, that have been part of the arts or the underground sort of like – thing that has made Richmond great a place to kind of go and hide out and do your cool stuff um, you know it. that is what's great about Richmond and it's, it's happened uh, not because of the city in spite of the local bureaucracy right. like only when they ignore something does something cool happen in exactly. spite of them all the incentives totally yeah every time <laughs> they try and help something they bungle it and I hate to be uh, every time I hate to be like a black and white, but it's the truth. Like, mm-hmm. I've lived here long enough to see you know, Sixth Street Marketplace, Main, um, Street, Main Station. Street Station, just every debacle mm-hmm. where they've tried to revitalize things, and how the people like myself who've been self employed, not because of any incentive through the local government, because they left something that I found where I got cheap rent alone, yeah, you know, and I took the ability to have cheap rent and did something with it and so none of the incentives of them revitalizing the area did anything for me in fact it all it did was cripple it you know the the uh the training camp you know i mean any of that is just to me ridiculous i mean all it does is squash people that are trying to actually do something i mean you know local most local restaurants said that None of those people that came to see the the training right. camp, or, you know, bought any of their food. They went to McDonald's, right. you know, if and they, if they ate at all, I mean, yeah. they, they, didn't they
0: come down there for that. They came down for a very specific reason. Yeah. yeah,
1: and and so you know, I hate to be like, like I said, like across the board, but that, that's how I feel about it. It's it's do not try and regulate the the Richmond clubs or anything that's creative. You know, I mean, obviously, you don't want people shooting each other, but that's never been a problem. The thing about Richmond clubs is, you know, about live music in Richmond is there's never been sort of a violent side to it. You Not know, unless
0: it's hip hop,
1: right? Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I, you know, and that's just p- part of a culture that I, I can't comment on because I have n- I have no I don't I don't know anything about it. But the the culture that I'm a part of has never been a violent culture or any sort of problem of people listening to live bands, drinking liquor and shooting each other. It's never been a problem. So the, the fact that they try and like shut the flood zone down and shut the whole new wall down and all the times that the city has gotten involved, they're like when they didn't come downtown or pay any attention after eight o'clock at night, a lot of cool things happened that, that Richmond is known for internationally. A lot of bands came out of, them ignoring us mm-hmm. them trying to like regulate us has done nothing but make it harder yeah, you know, to 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 actually have yeah. people find out about richmond mm-hmm. so you know i'm saying they and all these like ridiculous right. sort right, of like right, kid right. type things
0: because it I, isn't the same they I yeah mean, the fucking dipshits that did uh six marketplace aren't working for city hall now yeah. They're not there. Yeah. It's just another group of people with the same bad ideas. Yes. The because they're not thinking about what's going to help the city. They're thinking about what's going to help their careers. And getting a big project like that and stroking a bunch of cocks yes. Yes. is what's going to get them the uh, money to do yeah. the next thing that they want to do. Because they're fucking politicians and everybody yeah. knows that. you know, The thing that like popped into my head when I was at the slave pit the last time was that you guys represent what's possible if people actually decided to get a hold of... Because it is going to happen. We are in the middle of the East Coast, and I've said this repeatedly. We are too close to all of the other overcrowded cities. Eventually, this is going to get more competitive around here. Yeah. And the only answer is to actually become a capitalist and own some of it. Yeah. Otherwise, it's you're going to get displaced yeah. later on. I mean, that's you know? that's my
1: new role. That's how I feel about Richmond getting on the art scene. Um, And I might have to wrap up at oh, yeah. this. Yeah. Um, it's
0: 652.
1: Oh uh, well, I'm going to be late, so we'll, we'll talk for a few more minutes, and then I'll, yeah. I'll just be 15 minutes late. But um, my new role, and I wanted to speak about this, is sort of the the, the slave pit lobbyist mm-hmm. or the politician, and I've been shaking hands and like meeting with, you know, Lisa from the ICA, you know, which is going to be a big deal for Richmond. You know, the uh, Institute for Contemporary Art, mm-hmm. the corner of. Uh,
0: I didn't know anything about it. Oh, that.
1: yeah, you should look that up. It's mm-hmm. going to be incredible for VCU. It's going to be incredible for Richmond. Institute um,
0: of Contemporary Art. It's mm-hmm.
1: part of VCU, and it's by a, a world famous uh, architect. It's going to mm-hmm. be an incredible building that's that whole half a block. It's the corner. There's nothing a been Harrison? there. Harrison? No, uh, uh, Belvedere and Broad.
0: Oh, is it Belvedere? Okay. Yeah,
1: uh-huh. yeah. It's going to be the gateway to VCU. Um, you know. Uh, Richmond is claiming now to be this arts destination and to support the arts and to, like, put pump all this money into stuff. And all I've seen in them is hang some banners around town. Right. You that's know. what they always do. Yeah. So I'm trying to say, like, you know, people are going to pump some money into something. Well, it, it's going to be me. You know, I'm going to get out there and meet the people and say, hey, you know, if you want to support arts and culture in Richmond, that's – That's the slave pit. Mm -hmm. Like regardless of whether you think Richmond is cool or not and into the arts, like we have been downtown making art in downtown Richmond for 28
0: years with or
1: without you telling me it's cool. Mm -hmm. Like in spite of you telling me it's cool, Mm -hmm. we're still there.
0: So you might need to work on that pitch, but I, I, know, I
1: know it's not too, uh, it's, hey, a little, you listen, it's a little, it's a little,
0: don't give these assholes your money. Right. It to me. I am but working
1: you know, on my, 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 my thing is, is, that I'm, I want to shame someone into saying like, Hey man, we are the real deal. No, But I
0: think you're onto something and it, and it isn't like, here's the thing about the suits too is like, these guys are perfectly nice fucking people. All right. Yeah. For whatever reason, <laughs> their circumstances, yes. have, they're, that's yes. what they do, you yeah. know, and that's where they are and they have money and whatever. But, like, embracing them and inviting them down means bringing, like, support yes. to what you want to yeah. do. And those if those people are alienated and told, we don't fucking want you to be right. part of this and you're not cool enough and all that shit, then they'll go, okay, fine. We'll stay away from it. But you make a very good point is that they want if it, they you're both you and i are both doing it but i've seen this happen so many times yeah. that somebody gets a big branding idea and they hang a bunch of banners up and that's literally what they do what they literally what happens is a bunch of banners get hung up that say like i don't know Reckon parks did it in the city and when i was working for him it said project ready and there was nothing ready but those banners right you know and uh, loving downtown i walked around shaco bottom doing my job the other day and i saw that plastered on a whole bunch of empty buildings right and like nobody's loving none of this this right. is not about love it's just a bunch of bullshit right and for you to recognize and this is the really interesting thing i think that opportunity that people have who are creative people who have built their own thing is to come in and advocate for this thing yeah and make these connections because there are so many idiots that don't know what they're doing, but they are creating a groundswell. Right, you know. So come into that groundswell and say, "Hello, I'm right. here. Uh, I have something you can actually invest in that's right. worth a shit." Uh, and I don't. I don't, that's I don't also want also a bad pitch, but like <laughs> I don't want to inv-
1: anyone to invest in you know Guar per se. It's just when my one of my new roles is to be you know basically show Guar's long term cultural relevance. You know? Yeah, and
0: you and made a movie about this. Right? Well, I'm working on a documentary. I need that. funding. Uh-huh.
1: Here's the problem. I I or here's the thing that I need to solve, and I'm working hard to solve it. Is I could spend Guar's money. You know, all we do with our own money is pay ourselves and reinvest our own money. Right. We, and we barely pay ourselves. You know, right. we're just too busy doing Guar. Right. We just take all our own money, re spend it on on Guar. So even though we're well known and we're successful. We don't have you know we 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 need to buy our own building we can't afford to, so I don't want to take our own money so to Gore, make a as a m-
0: company can't get enough credit to buy a building like you got to have a down payment to like yeah know, but, some- uh,
1: commercial buildings are not like buying a home you know America's structured around home ownership but not cor- you know not uh uh buying a right, uh, right, buying yeah that's you have to have a lot of money down regardless of that my 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 point is. I could get Guar to finance my coffee table book, which is about the entire history of the slave pit, 28 years. What is it called? They're both called Let There Be Guar.
0: Let There Be Guar. The coffee table book and the documentary? Yeah. The documentary is only about
1: the first three years of this, you know, just 84 to 87. It's just about the early communal dairy. Slave Pit guard. Mm-hmm. And that's the part that people want to find out the most about. How did this happen? So I see the movie, the documentary is more of a first chapter of the book, an expanded first chapter. Um, everybody that hears about it and sees my trailer and sees the layout of the book, which is well along, is like, this is incredible. When it's done, we'll do some press on it. And I say, well, why don't you do some press on it now so I can get some funding, so Mm -hmm. I can get them finished. And they usually follow up with, well, when it's done, let me know. So (laughs) I've been trying to do things. I did the Black Iris um, gallery show where I showed a lot of ephemera Mm -hmm. and a lot of things about our cultural significance. I've put together a a little document about, like, you know, we've been – We've played, we've toured the US thirty five times, we've been to Australia twice, we've been just like nominated for two Grammys, uh, you know, been on the Jimmy Fallon show. All of our cultural significant relevance things of like what we've done, what we've accomplished, who we are, why we, you know, matter mm-hmm. to, to you know, not just to Richmond, but but matter as far as being a group of independent artists that have, you know, like you said, it's hard to get anybody to get along for a couple of years, much less fifteen people to get along for twenty-eight years. Mm-hmm. It's a nightmare. So at least I don't even, even know, they know they how get we get
0: along to stay in, yeah. involved with each other and yeah. stay a part of this thing.
1: Yeah, we are very. We are the more I do work on these these projects, the more I realize that we are incredibly unique, mm-hmm. and I'm incredibly proud of our accomplishments to make it work for so long and. What I want to do with these projects is to show other people that have a misconception about who we are or what we do, and say, "No, we're we're an art collective. We're mm-hmm. not a rock band. We 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 make money off rock shows and off albums that are really good, but at our heart, we're a collective, an art collective.
0: Mm-hmm. Almost like the factory or something like that. Yeah, you know? yeah. And we, we all the own Velvet it. Underground didn't come out of it, core,
1: so you know, my whole uh, thing about being this politician or lobbyist is to say, like, you know, if if you want to support arts in Richmond, consider supporting these projects because I need help. Like, I'm not good at asking for help, and I don't like to, but I I, I I'm going to do it, well, it does because seem like there's
0: an opportunity to do that. And like, yes. I mean, if you went to VCU and said, like, I mean this is part of your alumni thing, you know, that, I mean, I got somebody calling me from VCU trying to invite me to lunch at the Bull and Bear Club all the time. I don't know what the fuck that's about. You know, I think, you know, they changed the school as much as they did because in general graduates from there didn't go on to make money that they could give back to the school. Right. And now they are creating those kinds of alumni and now they're, and they're trying to get more of them. But you, you know, you could come there and say, look, you know, as, As the VCU brand, this is part of the VCU brand. This is part of the VCU story. Part of what you can celebrate here. It's very attractive. You would draw a whole lot of students here. You know, it's celebrating the accomplishments of the school. You know, it's that sort of thing. My sister suggested I do that with this podcast, but I don't really see that um, as being as uh, high profile for them as you guys would be.
1: But it would still be something. I don't think they're just, you know centric on one thing so i i do think that's a good idea but that's my that's one of our many ideas as far as becoming a lobbyist or trying to get because quite well, frankly a I, fundraiser
0: i yeah. mean that's really what you're talking about Yeah, because um, you're not lobbying you're you're trying to get people to invest, you know, and support what you're doing, and, and give them a reason to do it. And there are a lot there are still a lot of people with extra money that they want to do something with that it, they've already bought everything they want, right? You know, and they want to do something that conveys something on them, which is why those people used to buy that art in the '80s. Those yeah. guys had all that fucking money; they could put this de Kooning or Rothko or whatever the hell it was. That I guess later on on things like Schnabel and. Basquiat and they put that shit on their wall, and they go, look, I mean, I'm at least this cool. You know, well, that's like, the I have thing. I much that, meaning in my life. Some people you know, have I'm,
1: told me, they said people will invest in this, the right people will invest in this, just to have conversation at a party and say, hey, I invested in the new Guar documentary. Yeah, and,
0: and it's not just bullshit. I mean, it's not. It really is that, I think that if, And this is one of my, you know, like, I guess, borderline hippy-dippy ideas. But, look, we're not separate from each other, you know. We're all part of the same goddamn race. So this person gets to do this to keep this part of the fucking world going and this part of the infrastructure going, and I do this other part. And we can sort of celebrate the things that we each do, you know. Like, I can have respect for the guy. I mean, sometimes I drive by all that big-ass machinery on the highway, and I say, you know, it's kind of amazing that they got this many fucking people together to do something, like dig this up and put this here and erect this bridge that I need to get where I'm going. Absolutely. And that's this whole thing that you drive by all the time. You're like motherfucking traffic and like all of this shit. But there are these, all of these people working hard all the time to do that. And those people in turn can also turn around and appreciate And that's generally what they do is support all the people that are entertaining them. But very few people are really interested in supporting them. So we make it a total like community brand package (laughs) thing that like hey we're all richmond and you know to me the identity richmond's identity is very much that thing that it isn't any one thing like that yeah and that's really one of the most american things you can everybody it's fucking a mess you know no why i mean well i don't know why people are so focused on trying to delineate who they are based on ethnicity or, or or where you're from or any of that kind of shit because we're all you know in the context of this shit that's been getting brought here and dumped here and accidentally tracked here (laughs) from like all over the world for the entire time that this shit's been going on on this continent there's shit that people intentionally brought here like various religions and then there's shit that came like in their cuff of their pants there's something that was like stuck to their shoe there was whatever and that's what creates the involuntary unintentional shit is the identity you know that's the organic way of doing things and
1: that's that's you know a very rich man it's very guar and slave pit very and American. you know i just God it's damn. not something I love the USA. i'm not comfortable it's a new it's a new uh, thing that i'm trying to get myself psyched up to do because i don't think i'm good at it but i need to be and i'm trying to um, so you know if you see a gallery show the gallery show i did at Black Iris the let there be guar show to raise awareness about it was the press on it was great um You know, but I just could not get initial group of investors to pony up. I was I think I was approaching it wrong, but you know, i d I've just I made a mistake with that and I'm gonna learn from it and try something different next Mm -hmm. time, you know. But um
0: Well what do you mean? Like it ended up just costing you a bunch of money to No, no, no,
1: no, no. I, I had you know, I had some people that I wanted to come down there and kind of be, you know, um Everyone that came down there was very moved At at how overwhelming the amount of stuff That was there uh, and how long War's been around and all the different things Like parking tickets and things and, Wow these guys have been downtown making art for 28 years Look at all this stuff you know. And so the idea was to get some people uh, In the, the people that spend money on the arts There and then sort of like Say hey here's my trailer I'm trying to do this If anybody would like to contribute please email Or, or call me well, the people that I was trying to get down there in the month that it was up to either listen to the talks that were around GWAR's cultural significance or Richmond's cultural significance, none of them ever showed up. Mm-hmm. You know, and it was it was people. Maybe I was shooting too high. None of
0: the people who said they were going to come to
1: well, they didn't necessarily commit to it. They were a little on the thing, and I, and I have some people like I said, Bill, uh, 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 John Bryan from Culture Works is so great to, to Guar. Like, mm-hmm. he loves Guar, and he's trying to push for a Guar Richmond Symphony thing, and that's going to happen. Whoa. So, you know, I've got a lot of people. I'm trying to just stack up some dominoes. Like, you know, uh, John Bryan just loves what we do and loves to support us as much as he can. He was trying to get some Altria people and some uh, Reynolds people to come there, but he couldn't get them to come. So I was like, yeah, it's, gonna, it's still a little too wild and too homegrown for these people that, you know, they're, it's a little too out there for them. It's the risk for them to invest in these things, you know.
0: Is that you getting called? Yeah. Or is that me? Well, um, Bobby's answering his cell phone over here. You are late. Where did, you, that's, that, did that cell phone come from Antarctica? Did you find it? I, I love it. That's some ancient uh, artifact you've got over there. I hate smartphones. I, I will never get one until I have to. And then you will not be able to put it down because I love mines. I had one for a week. I hated it. I said it back. Oh. You're a better man than I <laughs> am, but I mean, I don't think that's in dispute, though. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um. <laughs>
1: Well, I am sorry I have to wrap this up. Is there any last thing you'd no, want to man, ask me? No, this is great, and, and uh, we got we
0: got a good chunk of talk in there. And we, I, we did. Um, I'm uh, I I will. I'd love to uh, talk to you more about what your plans are, and uh, maybe assist. Yeah, I I, I
1: I need all the help I can get. So anything that we could brainstorm on, you I've got hear to
0: that? C- you lazy, passive motherfuckers. <laughs> do you value your god to do something? Um, we'll there
1: was it. a Facebook page, and one thing I'll say on this podcast because it might reach some people is that I am still looking for keyword old.
0: is Mike. I'm <laughs>
1: still looking for uh, archival. I mean, I've people have come out of the woodwork when I put up. It was originally going to be called Dim Time. The, the name of the documentary mm-hmm. about the first three years of Guar. Um, we've changed it to let there be Guar. But I put up a dim time Guar's dim time Facebook page, and some of the people that I had just disappeared off the face of the earth from the '80s showed up with shoe boxes full of videotape of Richmond from the '80s, wow. photographs of inside the dairy, things that we couldn't have done movie without these people coming out of the woodwork. And I was that's that's the power of the internet. I'll have to say I could not believe how many people that were lost just showed up lived in a barn in Washington state mm-hmm. you know since since the early 90s shoebox full of vhs from the from the 80s of richmond broad street you know richmond looks vastly different so that kind of stuff is really hard to find i've unearthed a lot could always use more anybody that shot any photographs of richmond or video of richmond in the 80s um and you have it. I would love to capture it.
0: And where do you want them to bring it or send it? Or they whatever? can contact
1: me at bobgorman uh, dot com at gmail dot com or you know at bobgorman.com, the website. There's my email oh, you attached. Have your own it. Yeah, it's just for my uh, individual uh-huh. art. Um, but um, you know, the submissions have made it really possible. But we still would like more because you know part of the story about at least the movie is is Richmond and how vastly different Richmond was in 1985. You know, it it was, there was barely anything open, you know, it was really a bombed out, you know, dump. And, uh, and I certainly loved it growing up as a child. It's Mm -hmm. a dangerous place, but to contrast, you know, to people that are unaware, like the footage is really moving. Anybody that has anything like that, I would love to borrow it and, and, you know, capture it or, or scan it. Um, so, you know, please get in contact. with me Or if you, you know f-
0: anybody, tell them.
1: Yeah, and I've I've combed pretty hard on Facebook and the Internet, but there's always some person that might have some VHS in a shoebox in their closet or whatever, you know, that went to – you know, we, we got a guy who came out of the woodwork that had uh, Death Piggy at Schaefer Court. Wow. They got in a pie fight with the cops in 1984, and, the, you That's know, three-quarter impressive. videotape. I, I had to pay a lot of money to transfer it, but, you know, that came out of nowhere, and so – the last thing I'll say here is is like, you know, get in touch with me if you have anything like that and you want to be a, you know, a contributor to the documentary. I would love it.
0: Yeah, I'm looking forward to uh, seeing that. So, uh, yeah, let me know when you get that ready and we'll put this podcast up. <laughs> ah, just kidding. <laughs> you heard the man. You got any of that old footage of war in the early days? Or yeah, I think that's what we're looking for archival footage. Hook it up, send it into them. Look out for this project that Bobby's working on, and uh, you know, support your local artists and support the lo- the Richmond scene. And uh, you know, I don't know. Yeah, build it up. Yeah. Oh my God. This is just the best. Well, it was a good Christmas overall. I mean, I got a lot of I got a lot of shit thrown at me this Christmas. A lot of wrinkles in time. A lot of hurdles to jump, but uh, as the uh is Laura Insko, who is the reverend at uh St. John's Church where we went on Christmas Eve. I go with my family to that, that whatever, that service on Christmas Eve. We're, I'm Catholic. My mom's Catholic. We were raised Catholic, but we go to that uh, Episcopal stuff on Christmas Eve. This is my dad's church. It's in the neighborhood. It's nice. It's pretty. It's historical. Anyway, Lorenzco uh, got up there and started talking about it, this crazy idea we all have of the perfect Christmas. And, uh, you know, if we use the uh, whole story of Jesus being born as a template, that wasn't all that ideal either. And Probably the least ideal situation for, uh, you know, I, I honestly believe that's a myth, but still, you know, if that's the myth and if that's the model, then uh, hey, if you're in a manger and you're uh, laying in straw and there's fucking animals and shit around, that's that's where we're starting with for Christmas, so anything above that is an improvement, Um Speaking of Christmas, uh, you know, put something in my stocking in the donate button. Because I, I blew a lot of money for Christmas trying to get into the spirit. I'm so <laughs> oh, I'm sure you're all Anyway, namaste, motherfuckers. Happy, Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Peace.